The companionship and pleasure of that evening rushed into Janet's mind at almost every idle moment during the following weeks. Now her Sundays were complete. She spent the day with Fega and Mendel, and Fridays were a standing invitation. Somehow the young man Yussel had promised never materialized, but Janet was so pleased to be in their company she never even noticed. The only disruption to this pattern came when Janet decided to go home for a week. When she told Fega of her plans, the older woman had brushed aside her apology for missing their usual weekend gathering. Go, enjoy, Janet. Nothing in the world is more important than a mother and father. True, Janet thought. She had missed them more than she'd ever thought she would, and they might hold a key that would help her understand more of who she was, make her feel more at home with herself in the frighteningly impersonal world she'd entered the day she set foot in New York. Janet sat in the library across from her father. Dad, how much do you know about your grandfather? He looked at her in surprise. About my grandfather? A great deal, why do you ask? I wrote to you about meeting the Kowalskis. Ever since I've known them, I've had a deep curiosity about us. I mean, we're part Jewish, but we seem to have ignored it. And that part of me feels, well, deprived. I've heard so much about mom's side of the family, but we've talked very little over the years about your origins. I have to know who I am, Dad. Tell me all you can. That would take quite a while, Janet. Well, it's little enough time to find out about my heritage, who I am. James Stevens looked out the window and saw the lovely garden, but his mind went beyond as he began to tell his daughter about things he remembered having been told in his youth. His grandfather, Yankel Stavinsky, was born in a remote part of Russia, but remote as it was, the men of his village were scholars, and from the time he could speak he had grown up with the idea that he would become a rabbi like his father before him. But the tentacles of Jewish persecution reached out and destroyed both his dreams and his isolated home. When the fires of the pogrom died, Yankel found his father sick and wounded. You must leave, Yankel. And so, painful though it was, he left his village, his parents and his roots. Knowing that he would never see them again was the most painful of all. When he arrived on the shores of America two years later, it was with few worldly possessions. His pockets were bare, his clothing worn, and the strain of the ordeals he had suffered was evident in his appearance. But he still had his tefillin, his talis, Bible, and Talmud. And he reasoned that he was rather a rich man to have been blessed with the spiritual assets that a man could feed his soul on. Like so many others, he went to the Lower East Side, but he discovered it was not the place for him. He couldn't stand the crowds, the bantering, the hollering. If there was a sky, you couldn't see it. Not a tree, not a flower. At least his little village in Russia had been pretty, everyone polite enough to greet each other. Here he was just a faceless person in the crowd. Who invited Yankel to a Shabbos? No one. No, this was not for him. So with his little vending case filled with pins, ribbons, and thread, he decided to take the advice of someone who mentioned a place called California, where giant redwoods grew. That was for Yankel.